This is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we're reviewing one of Josh's picks. And uh, let's hope it's not a blackout. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Josh, what'd you pick and why? Uh, I picked uh, Outcast Volume 1, A Darkness Surrounds Him. I strictly got that just because it's a Robert Kirkman story and a big fan of the uh, Walking Dead world. And I wanted to see if that was kind of a one-hit wonder and he's got talent and other stuff and (laughs) other storylines he can do. And, uh, you know, we'll see how well uh, he pulled that off. But uh, it's uh, it's still a supernatural story. Uh, It's not a zombie story, per se. Uh, there's There's some creepy stuff that happens, though, so... If you're a, if you like the supernatural stories, this is one you should uh, you should definitely check out. Uh, yeah, he's not a. I mean, he can do stuff other than zombies. And so yeah. that's. I mean, I don't want to. You know, we can get into it. It's a great time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say let's not be spoilers. Like, well, that's what we're doing next. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so I'm first on the live action Batman grades, and um, I'm going to give this one a Pattinson. Oh, uh, hear, okay, hear me out. All right. So uh, when the coronavirus hit, they were ha- like, they were partway filming the Batman and then they stopped. It feels like that's what happened with Outcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I got a whole story. So I'm giving it a patent. And... A little bit of a cheat, but okay. Yeah, it's cheating. I don't know if I'm. Right, no, I'm. I'm joking. I was making a. Like, I was just making a little bit of a joke there. I, I'm giving it a Keaton, really. Um, I dug the art and the mood of the book. Um, I've got some. It's got some problems though. I did. I didn't love it. Um, but it's good enough that I might continue. I might try to find out more. So, it did feel like I didn't get the whole story though. Mm. All right. Well, I agree with you because you didn't get the full story, and I also gave it a Keaton. I agree with you on all of it. So, and I didn't like the art. Just saying, so you, you like the art, but <laughs> did, we'll cover that later. I didn't think you would. <laughs> I think it's colored. It is colored. Like yeah, black. it's not black and white this time. Yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, I may be great inflation, but I went Affleck on it. Uh, I got enough of the story and the vibe and tone of the story for me was intriguing and interesting enough that I'm definitely, it's on my finished reading list. Like I'm going to go and try to find some more. I'm going to keep reading this. Uh, I think if we'd got a few more answers, uh, would have been a solid, solid story. How about some answers? I would have liked some answers. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Uh, All right. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even say anything to that because it's true. All right, we'll get into it. We're still in the non-spoiler section. We'll get into it. Uh, so for our creator credits, um, for Kirkman, um, they've got creator writer. Uh, artist is Paul Azazeda. Azazeda? I'm not sure. Uh, colorist is Elizabeth Breitweiser. Russ Wooten is letterer. And um, I think I think uh, those names are going to come up again. Uh some of us, you know, in positive tones, some in negative tones. Um, we'll mm-hmm. see. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all you get uh, in the spoiler-free section. So after you hear the klaxon, full spoilers ahead. 
it's time for the bite size breakdown. Josh, your first out of the gate. All right. And uh, the volume we've got did not have any breaks anywhere at all, so we're going by page numbers. <laughs> I didn't check to see if we actually caught the issue. <laughs> so, yeah, we're doing, I'm doing a page 1 uh, through 25 uh, to start us out. So uh, we open with a kid who looks suspiciously like a zombie uh, taking a bite of his own finger while trying to snack. <laughs> and then we transition to uh, a jaded preacher who's smoking and gambling uh, – and just being an all-around non-preacher-like guy. Uh, then he goes on an exorcism to uh, exorcise a demon from the zombie kid. <laughs> and we get a brief glimpse of uh, Kyle, who is our main character. And uh, his sister forcibly takes him grocery shopping and makes him go to a family dinner. Because he had meat that was going to kill him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm next. Uh, Megan drops off Kyle's stuff and he calls his ex. The chicken's out and breaks the phone. Then he goes with the reverend and they exercise a demon out of a kid with sunlight and Kyle's blood. Then we see a flashback of his ex being possessed and Kyle makes the decision to keep going with the mystery. I'm next. I have uh, Kyle visits his mom in the hospital. A creepy dude shows up at the the reverend's church and just beats creepy. (laughs) Kyle runs into a guy at the grocery, uh, grocery parking lot and starts beating the crap out of a guy. Mark joins in to help when he finds out who he is. Then Kyle and Mark go to a bar for a heart-to-heart. That's all I got. Yeah. And then uh, the next uh, section breaks out with Kyle going and having lunch with his old neighbor. And we learn just how jaded the preacher really is at another all-night gambling session. Uh, We meet a uh, detective named Luke who's come to ask for the preacher and Kyle's help. Uh, and then we see another <laughs> a breakaway with Kyle and the preacher delivering meals to the needy. And uh, Kyle catches an old lady from falling, and she has an extreme reaction to his touch. And then the preacher reveals that she was possessed by a demon, but he has exercised her. Kyle and the Reverend meet a cop whose partner got possessed and then killed the partner's wife. Uh, Kyle meets the old creepy guy, and for some reason his demon radar is on the fritz. Then they go to the prison in an attempt to cast the demon out of the ex-cop, and it doesn't go well. All right, so I get to wrap it up here. It says, after a failed attempt at a exorcism at prison, they go see Mildred again, only to learn that she is still possessed. Creepy dude breaks into the Reverend's house and gives him a warning to quit what he's doing with Kyle and leaves. All right. <laughs> I forgot. I can't even write. Wrote. Can't read his own writing. Oh, and it uh, leaves him a warning and some clues to who he might be: the devil and, and a nice scar. And a nice scar. Yeah. <laughs> I could read my chicken yeah. scratch. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I really dropped the ball on that one. Uh, it's fine. Um, we'll just make fun of you forever now. We <laughs> well we're your brothers it's our job i mean yeah. that's that's part of that's part of the deal yeah. you're allowed we're, we're supposed to harass each other as long as we're all breathing i mean that's how this works <laughs> yep. well all yeah right. yeah uh, i that's fine i just we just give each other more ammunition that's all we're doing that's fine. <laughs> fuel for the fire <laughs> yeah and that's nothing compared to you know Bushimi. i mean yeah Okay. All right, let's get into the pyramid. Uh, Josh, your first on story. What you got, bro? 
All right. So I know you guys have made some comments to not getting enough info. Uh, and I can see where you would want some more answers, but I didn't feel like I got such little info that I had to drop the grade down. Uh, the tone of the story for me was the big selling point. Like, I like the horror genre. That's kind of in my wheelhouse. And this really has a creepy feel to it. It's Some of the images are a little uncomfortable. Uh, the people look possessed. Like, it's got the tone for a really good horror story. Uh, could have used a few more answers. Uh, you know, we got six <laughs> issues here. We could have used a little bit more info to, to, to get us in. But for me... Uh, just the tone of it. I mean, this is a legitimately creepy story, and it pulled me in enough that I'm going to keep reading it. You know, I agree with Josh. You know, I thought the story was it was intriguing. It had uh, good points about it, but there's a lot of unanswered questions for me. Like, what is Kyle? I mean, why do people have that reaction to him? I mean, what else? Why, why are they always after him? I mean, there, there's so much going on in this six issues and. I don't feel like they really covered everything it should have been covered. They should have left out the the big broad stroke and just kind of narrowed it down to what was going on. But I felt, saying that, I still enjoyed the story. It was like Josh said, it was creepy. It did have its good points. Yeah, it, it's well written. It's compelling. It kept me turning the pages. Um, it gets you thinking and theorizing, trying to figure stuff out. You're trying to you know put the mystery together yourself. Um, but there's just, there aren't any answers yet. I mean, if I if I read, you know, the next trade and discovered that, like, the creepy guy was actually a Martian who was just pretending to be a demon, I was like, yeah, that would fit, too. I mean, like, there's no, I mean, <laughs> you can make almost anything work. Anything right. they wrote for volume two, you can make fit. I mean, uh, so I, I feel like not having any kind of, like, revelation of any kind at the end of the, I mean, there feels like there should have been something firm, like something you could, like, really grab onto. To, to keep you going into the next trade. Whereas right now it's like, it just, you just keep throwing up more mysteries. Like what is an outcast? They keep calling him outcast. It's the name of the book. I don't know what that means. Exactly. Um, so I just thought there should have been some kind of revelation, maybe about what Kyle is without explaining everything else. I don't know. We just needed something more and it just wasn't there. Right. Yeah. That's again, I can't argue with you because that's, that's the point. But I think if you found the story, if you if this is your genre, it was good enough that you're going to read volume two and you're probably going to get some more answers. If this is kind of not your thing, then yeah, it's I can see your point because I know you're not you're not the horror horror comics are not your thing. So I can see I can see that. I, I will say, though, the information you get and then the pacing of the action versus the non-action was really good. Like you had some pages where there was some stuff going on. There was dialogue, there was character work. And then you got a couple pages of like an exorcism or something kind of, you know, dramatic going on. So that pacing, I thought he done really well. I think Kirkman's good at that. Well, and, and even like the action scenes, they weren't just like nice to look at. There was, there was character story stuff going on, even in the middle of you know the action. And so, right. it, it, I mean, I can, like I said, it, it is well-written. It's just horror's not my jam. And dude, I mean, it's like a bad episode of the X-Files where you don't know anything. <laughs> we put it right there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, it uh, it reminded me of that movie uh, Fallen with Denzel Washington from back mm -hmm. in the late 90s yep. where the guy, the demon was jumping from body to body. That's kind of what I... If watch you stop watching too. after 45 minutes. If you didn't finish <laughs> it and see how it ended, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
but it had that tone and that, that yeah. to me is kind of a, a, a good classic kind of horror creepy get you thinking kind of stories and that's that's kind of the vibe i was getting yeah and even the way they filmed that movie like the way they sort of like muted the colors even kind of had the same kind of feel right right uh, speaking of that let's move on to the art y'all ready mm. all right um we're gonna have a debate here i really like the art uh my dug it it's real moody and it really sets the tone for the story. It suits it perfectly. And the colorist is a big part of that. Uh, what was her name? Brightweiser. Uh, I want to give her credit. Elizabeth Brightweiser. She killed it. Uh, I felt like the coloring set the tone so perfectly. Um, every scene was like lit the way it needed to be. Um, it was just, just perfect. Um, the, but I like the the Azazeta guy. I love the way he did the possessed faces. I mean, they looked really creepy. Like I don't know how your face comes back from that kind of you know contortion to the face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and when Kyle was anguished, um, I felt like those were real highlights of the art. Like like when he's breaking that phone and he's leaning on the tree and his face is just you know you, you can just really feel like his you know emotional turmoil just radiating off the page at you. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you, think I should go last. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yes. Before you tee off on it, yeah, let me. Uh, I'm going to agree with Jamie. You stole most of my notes. That the uh, and uh, word for word, the art sets the tone for the story. Like, I think a different style art is going to take away detract from the story. This art just fed into that that creepiness. You know, you're already dealing with possessed people, and they're doing exorcisms and stuff. And then to see the art and see the way they drew the possessed people that they the cop in the jail into prison made me honestly uncomfortable like when i'm watching him i'm like that is i don't you know you get the creepy crawlies up your back like that dude looked possessed i think they got that done really well uh and then the same thing yeah the color that it, it sets so much up uh, you know I, I personally i like the art i thought it was a really strong strong art section this week all right. And Sam T off for us. No, in my notes, I did write down the color was good, and the people that were possessed was phenomenal. Great. But other than that, I felt like Kyle's face was evolving. It didn't always look the same. Mark always looked different to me. Like, it could have been Freddie Mercury in one scene, and then, you know, <laughs> somebody else in another one. Like, it was, it was, it was so hard to follow in, like, the backgrounds and some stuff just looked so unfinished to me. Like I know we bashed it earlier. Like I've never seen this one in black and white than in color. The way it's done, then, then oh. I would have had a good excuse, you know. But I, I don't know. It's, just, it's for the whole. It's not my style of art. I just, I couldn't get into it. But they did kill, like you said, with people that's possessed. They did done phenomenal with that. But anything else, I thought they dropped the ball. I think it could have done a little better. I think this is a style that Kirkman likes for his stories because it, it had a Walking Dead vibe to it. You know, the the, the level of detail and stuff, it, it definitely had that kind of vibe. And I don't know if Kirkman prefers that. So his story shines through better or what? I'm not sure. Uh, well, I, I think that he's gotten better at finding artists that fit his style. Because I think on that, that very first Walking Dead trade, um, the guy's a good artist, but he does not match the Walking Dead um vibe i mean and so they they change after that after that very first volume they changed to charlie adler who draws every issue the walking dead after that and i feel like he find he found the guy right off the bat 
who fit his style here. Like this, this um, I've never, I've never seen this guy's art before. Paul Asazeda. I feel like they found a guy who fit the tone perfectly. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that's what Kirkman seems to look for. Right. Uh, yeah. Maybe learned, maybe learned a lesson from those first issues of Walking yeah. Dead. Right. Yeah, I think objectively, if you look at this art style and you applied it to, you know, a, a Hawkeye story or something, you know, it's probably not going to work quite as well. Or if you put this on maybe like a bloodshot or something, I don't know that that style would match with that story. But I think for this story, it works great. Yeah, that's funny. I thought it kind of reminded me of David Aja from Hawkeye. A, a little bit. No. All right. That's all I'm saying. I feel a little bit. <laughs> and there, uh, and there is a bloodshot artist that looks this looks a lot like you all have. Oh, is there really? That volume, yeah. I, I haven't uh, read a whole lot of blood. I haven't read nowhere near the bloodshot you guys have. So, yeah, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's 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 pretty far into the Lemire run. Hmm. Um, all right, Sam. Characters. Did you like those at least? I did. I, I enjoyed the story and the characters. <laughs> and, and it's funny because the art spot brought the, uh, the grade down for me, not the. The story, but on characters, we'll get into that. Uh, you know, there's like three, four characters in here, but really just two main characters. And those characters had, I thought, had good background. They evolved well, had good de- development, and I, I think they done really good with the characters. And I, I was honestly surprised how good the characters were. I mean, if you stop and think about it and compare it to other graphic novels of a similar length. It's amazing how much we know about each of these people. Yeah. That's uh, what I'm saying. Even, yeah. The, even the next door neighbor that we see in like one scene, we learn about his wife, his background, that he's lived with Kyle, but next door to Kyle for forever and is always asking Kyle to come over and Kyle never comes. He, he's there for what, 10 pages? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I think about how much you know about Reverend Anderson and Kyle and even Megan. We know a lot about. I mean, yeah. it's mm-hmm. when, I, when I said I start writing it, my character, I'm like, and I just, it just dawned on me. Like, my gosh. This was just amazing character work. I mean, we know so much about all these people, and he's not, this isn't like a jumbo graphic novel. This isn't, you know, Infinity with 800 pages. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got more character work in these six issues than you did in all the 800 pages of Infinity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know we did. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't like it was just three people, you know? It was a no, lot yeah. of people. There was a lot of people. And like I said, there was like three, maybe four, they really followed around, and those characters – they really shine. Their 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 arc was amazing. They done phenomenal with their characters. Yeah, and, and you feel for them too. Like Kyle, dude, I sympathize with that guy. He's had such a rough go from the time he was a little kid, and you get that, and you can see how it affects him and how he interacts with everybody. So it's not just here's a story, here's their background, here's who they are now. You can see how it affects them. You can see the flashbacks and how it changes their behaviors into present. So, and then and that adds a lot of depth, I think. Uh, and then playing with uh, changing the characters, like the preacher, the reverend, he's such a non-typical <laughs> reverend. You know, he's up all night gambling and smoking and he's kind of jaded. But then you see him coming back to their side when he's shaving and he's, oh, I'm on the 18 now, you know, I'm, I'm on point, I'm ready to go. So you get a lot of depth to all the characters. Uh, yeah, and it's... I, Probably strongest part of the pyramid, I think. Maybe he's just good at poker. Maybe he's good at poker. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's using the money for roof repairs. <laughs> I mean, you gotta pay the bills somehow. That's it. It's just, yeah, it's, I, I had a lot of fun with the Reverend. I thought he was a really good character. Yeah, um, I, I listened to this podcast um, 
uh, with Robert Robert Cargill, the screenwriter. It's, it's a writing podcast, and he always talks about getting get your characters to do interesting things. That's like a key, like sort of the, the middle of a story. Um, you can kind of get bogged down. It's like make people make your characters do interesting things, and they do. That happens all over the place in here. It's like it's like he took a class from Cargill or something. Not, not that Kurtman needs any help. I mean, the guy wrote The Walking Dead. Um, but like when Kyle makes that turn and decides, he's embracing this whole agenda. You know, this whole mission. Um, you think about when when Megan's husband and Kyle try to avenge her, you know, and fight yeah. for honor, and she's mad about. It. I'm like, that's not what I expected to happen. That was interesting. You know, it made her a more interesting character. And the Reverend playing poker at first is like, man, this is a debauched, you know, kind of guy here. And then when you when he hands all the money to the secretary, and it's like, wait a second. I mean, that is an extra layer of, of interest. That's not what you expected. It made all of them more interesting characters, and it made it. It made me want to keep turning the pages. I'm like, wow, crazy things are happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was so well done. Yeah, and the and the the creepy people are legitimately creepy. <laughs> like, the creep factor comes out too. Like the the guy we we've, we've just labeled him the creepy dude that's in the church and that kills uh, Kyle's neighbor. Like that dude's putting off some creepy vibes with very few lines of dialogue. Like I'm buying I'm buying the creepiness from him. Which uh, going back going back to him, do you see? I thought that was strange because everybody else gets a vibe from him, like you know the Reverend. He just sitting in a pew, and the Reverend's like, "Something wrong with this dude." Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I think I feel like Megan makes a face at him when he when he saves the the Holly. Is it the kid's name? When he saves mm-hmm. Holly, I feel like Megan's even like, you know, thank you for saving my kid, but also like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not inviting you back for dinner as a reward. <laughs> like you <laughs> just walk thank, away. yeah, <laughs> but like. Kyle doesn't get any vibe from him. He's this nice guy, you know, helping, you know, take care of my, you know, my poor deceased neighbors, you know, stuff. I'm like, that's weird. I'm, 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 yeah. Am I supposed to read something into that? Like, does he have some kind of power that he can hide what he is from Kyle? You know, it, it was interesting. Once yeah. again, we don't know. I mean, because they didn't tell us any of that <laughs> stuff. But it was interesting, too, you know? Like, why? I mean, Kyle's got this amazing radar, right? Like, he knew so. Like, as soon as he meets Miller, he's like, look, something ain't right with this shoot. Mm, um, yeah. And so, but, but like the creepiest dude in the entire story, I was like, he's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Friendly neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't even see know. the glowing green eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when I read volume two. <laughs> All right. What's going on? All right. Y'all want to move on to some words? Yeah. Let's do it. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> All right, Josh, lead us off on base cover. All right, base cover is uh, issue two. It's a preacher and Kyle sitting in the dark room with the blood on the floor and just looking real ominous. And that is the right answer. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we all got. The other five covers don't even match what's happening inside the covers. Mm, I mean, some of them aren't even close. I mean, they're all pretty well drawn, but like this one was well drawn and it described what was happening. Inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that one captured the tone of the story the best with the with the most of the shadow. Everything's kind of in shadow and it's dark. And I think it just really that's what the story is. And, and Kyle looks like he's struggling. Um, yeah. Some emotional disturbance there, it looks like. So. Mm-hmm. Just beat up a nine year old boy. Uh. And his mom was happy about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that's the thing, too. Like, if we find out later on, like, maybe these people aren't even possessed. Something else is going on. Like, man, Kyle's punching a lot of ladies and kids. 
what I was thinking. Yep. All right. Our next award is best character. And I'm going to go with Kyle. Um, I think there's a couple of answers I wouldn't argue with anybody about, but I just really feel for the guy. Um, and when you when he steps up, you know, and really starts embracing like what his powers are and his mission, all that kind of stuff, you kind of like feel proud of him. Like you know, you've been wallowing in your pain and misery for so long, and and understandably, um, you, yes. you see when when you see his backstory, like yeah, I get how he's the guy that's in page one. I, I totally get it. I understand. I'd hide. I might hide from the world too. Yeah. Um, but but then you feel you feel proud of him. You feel scared for him, but. You know, you're worried about him. Like, look, this guy doesn't believe all the stuff he needs to believe. Like, he be- somehow he manages to believe in demons, but not God. I'm like, I, I'm not sure how you square that circle, but, um, <laughs> but but you can see he's diving into the deep end, right? This guy, like, he doesn't believe, like, all he needs to believe. But, like, man, both feet jumping right in. And it's like, he doesn't know what's going on much more than we do. I mean, and he's yeah. just going for it. I'm like, dude, I'm scared for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid this is not going to go well for you, man. Yeah, so I just, I, I, yeah. yeah, but I just, I love, I love the guy. I mean, I just, they, well, not so much love him. This made me really feel for him. I mean, mm. so there's so much empathy for him by the time I get done. Yeah. All right, so for who I got as best character, I like Reverend Anderson. I love that guy. Stuff he was, he was going through, stuff he was doing for his church, like gambling and drinking, getting people <laughs> around, doing that stuff. Because at first you think, oh, like Josh said, like he's just a, a terrible preacher. <laughs> it turns out he's, he's using that money to, like, to help pay the bills and do that stuff, and I think that's part of it to get those guys to come there that he has to drink and do stuff with them. But also, he's on the mission with Kyle. He's one that helps Kyle get back on the right path. Like He has a really interesting arc. I enjoyed him more than anybody. I think he kind of stole the show a little bit. Yeah, that was the other guy like I really waffled about. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple other like you know, smaller characters that make really memorable you know appearances, but like th- those two I think were really, really good. Yeah. I'm glad somebody else picked him. I was, I was yeah. debating. I, was, I, I went with the Reverend too. Okay. That was, that, that was for the stuff Sam said. You know, you see him, and I and, and I know he's giving the money to the church, but I don't think that's why he's drinking and gambling. I don't think he's doing <laughs> that. Right. Yeah. I think that's oh, I drank and gambled for ten hours while it was dark all night. Now it's morning time. Here, take the money for the church to kind of maybe help ease some of his uh, guiltiness. Uh, but he's making some good of it, but. I think part of it is him dealing with the stuff he sees. He's seeing all these exorcisms. He's fighting this war on evil, and that's kind of him trying to cope with it. Mm. And he's a true believer, and he's always praying to God and asking God for help and guidance on what to do. And I I really enjoyed all that. Yeah. He said he was. He has that one big monologue where he's saying God created the world and then just stepped away. He's too busy fighting the war to really pay attention to what any of us are doing in our day-to-day lives. Like He's not watching anymore. So that's where I was getting the jaded guy. He's kind of, you know, he's he's out of the loop on. Well, if you if you remember though, that was after he tried to help that boy, and mm-hmm. failed. And so I think he was probably depressed and hammered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, no matter how you cut it, he's uh he's he's interesting and he's got a lot of stuff going on and it's 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 yeah. good to get in on what's going on with him. And I, and I got the vibe he was having trouble reconciling some of like putting all of it like trying to assemble his theology into a cohesive whole like he would feel like he was trying to like couldn't get it all to fit together right uh like some of his experience didn't match you know his his doctrine and he was trying to assemble it and was struggling yeah well for me that's why i picked him because he's such an interesting character he's got a lot going on and i really want to 
you know, follow him and see what's going on and how it turns out for him, you know. Yeah, and I love how sincere he was. Like after when he realizes that Mildred was still possessed and he failed her. I'm like, that this was this isn't a guy going through the motions. He was really distraught that he had yeah. sort of failed one of his sheep. You know, he was supposed to be her shepherd and failed her. And he was devastated by that. I'm like, Yeah. Okay, you just convinced me, guys. I, I gave you the wrong answer. Reverend Anderson's right answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you wouldn't have bingo. All right. Uh Sam Best Panel. All right. So I struggle with this one a whole lot because I didn't like it. <laughs> The art. <laughs> Just saying that. So, the one I picked is on page one thirty one, and it's it's panel one slash slashy panel two. It's the where it's got the guy's eyes with the full moon and the tree. I don't know why I like that one. That's that's the one that jumped out at me. Of all the ones I looked at, that's the one that jumped out at me. Yep. That that reminds me of like a Sin City panel where it's like the zoomed in and the hyper colorized eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, like, because the, the, the full moon's part of that panel, too. It's kind of like a separate panel, but it's really not. But it's like, I thought that fit really well with the, the eyes and the moon and the trees. I don't know if it's the right answer, but it's, I'll, I'll take it. Good enough for me. <laughs> All right, Josh, what do you have? Uh, well, I've got two, so I'm going to give you one. Did you uh, me to go first? A, Let's see if I uh, take one of yours. Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you do that? All right. Um, I, I'm probably not, though. Go to page 77. No, you didn't. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you tried. I appreciate it. All right, 77, uh, panel four. It's when Mark is talking. Not Mark. Tyler is talking to, no, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> okay, remember that sleep deprivation discussion we had before we pressed record? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think sure you just that we had. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that you know, my limitations. Um, so panel four there, I just, I love that little moment between Kyle and his neighbor. Um, you know, this is like Kyle's coming out of the, the mess. He's, like, he's been in a funk for probably a decade now and he's kind of coming out of it. And I like that moment, but it's also, but it's also the panel I realize that Kyle's wearing a bloodshot t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And that was just so cool. I was like, I don't know why. I don't know the connection. I don't know how bloodshot is connected to uh, this artist or, uh, Kirkman, but like, yeah, he's wearing a bloodshot t-shirt, and so his name is Kyle. Yeah. All right, Josh. Sorry. All right. You can you no. can give them both if you want to. I'm sorry, man. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll do. I, I picked a full page uh, spread. It's on page 110. Cheater. Yeah, I can really cheat. And I'll give you my backup. But this one is full <laughs> pages when you first see uh, Detective good. Luke's partner, and that's. For me, that captures the tone over all the story. Just a creepy dude that's like, I'm buying that he's possessed. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm fully in the story. I'm I'm a true believer at this point. Like, yeah, they're yeah. they're exercising demons out of people. I'm I'm with you. That guy's got, <laughs> he's not good. Uh, so that was it. And if we got to say, let's go ahead and I'm going to show you my other sure. The fire away. Go to page 45, uh, panel four. And I know sometimes for me, I'm always impressed when you have these art styles where it's not super detailed, but they're still able to get the emotions across. Just that little kid hand got caught in the cookie jar look that the Reverend and Kyle have when they thought they've killed that lady's kid. And she comes in and they turn around and, the, and just the, the guilt and surprise on their faces, I thought was really, I, I, just, I don't know, I like, I like looking at it. Then the kid saves them by saying, Mommy, he's still alive. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I just thought, I thought that was a good panel. Uh, I liked uh, page 50 a lot. Of the full page spreads, 
back before I realized they were actual covers. I think this is my best full, full page spread. I just love it's the first time that like Kyle looks like he's got like a, a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And it's this big full page of like, you know, he's not just the slacker trying to hide from the world. Like he's like, I'm, I'm about to do something. You know, I'm going to I've got a higher calling now. It's just mm-hmm. I, and it's all over his face. You can see it. And we, me and Josh both cheated now. Uh, <laughs> You're allowed. I didn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, best dialogue, Josh. Well, you almost got us there on page 50. We're going to go over to page 52. Uh, and, man, I feel like I'm cheating a lot on this one because this is not really dialogue. It's the big monologue Kyle does uh, to his mom uh, about – you know, she abused him and stuff and how he hated her. And then now he's realizing that maybe it wasn't her, that she was possessed by a demon and he's starting to feel sorry for her and forgive her. And it makes him hate himself. And I just thought that was a really, those two all the way over to page 53. I thought that was just a really insightful part of Kyle seeing what he had going on and and his feelings towards his mom and trying to reconcile his terrible, terrible childhood he had. Uh, I, I thought it was really motivating. Well, I see you're cheating and raise you by a page. I picked pages 51 through page 53. I picked all three pages of the monologue. Oh, there you go. (laughs) And I just love that Marcus, he's still struggling, right? I mean, he's trying to figure things out. Like he's had this whole history with his mom where she's, you know, used to be a good mom and then something changed and she beat the tar out of him for years and he hated her. And and he still he still kind of hates her for all the abuse. But now he's thinking, OK, maybe something else was going on. And so now he's still struggling with like hatred and guilt at the same time. Yeah. And it's just it was a really powerful three page monologue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> same ones here. Oh, well, I got something different. And we'll, all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're real close to it. It's page uh, 47 through 49. Oh, he did. <laughs> oh, he did cheat. Well, it's it's right when they got done beating the tar of that little boy. It's like, oh, man, I was really going to jail. And uh, so they were about going to jail after the police leaving all that stuff. And then uh, the Reverend's talking to him and, and asking him how it was with his mom and all that stuff. And he's like, I don't really remember that, but that's how it was with Allison. And he's remembering and talking about what happened with Allison and his child and all that stuff. And I thought that was really, like, he's opening it up finally. That's, that's what I took it as. And he's he's telling somebody what's actually happening with him in his whole life and how it's always fallen on him. How everybody, everybody seems to be possessed now that he knows what it is around him. He wants to know Did why. you notice... Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, did you notice that in all of the flashbacks, he's got his hair like pushed way back on his head? Mm-hmm. That, but when, it, when he pulls Allison off of their kid, she scratches him real hard across his forehead and all of the modern, like all of the, like, the present day stuff He's got his hair waiting over his face. Do you think he's got big scars on his forehead? And that I he's hiding so, them? Yeah, probably. I wonder if that'll like matter later on. I don't know. Maybe. I, it, it was curious. Yeah. Because yeah. they were so consistent about it. Right. I, I, I think they done that too, is because they done that because back then he was a job. He was an average guy. A little guy more clean cut and yeah. had his hair slicked back and was well groomed and shaved and stuff. And now he just looks kind of like a hobo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I noticed there's a there's a scene though where um, he's getting uh, we're family friendly. He's being especially friendly with his wife, mm-hmm. and and even then his hair is like crazy slick back. He's got like a gel helmet on, you know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just wondering. I'm like, is there something to that? You know, it just, it just no. I, almost, I mean, it's almost another reason to read the next volume. Like, yeah. 
easy yeah. scarred and, and doesn't matter. Right, right. I'll buy that. And then, Sam, I just wanted to say yeah, that this was, the I think, the other option for the Dialogue yeah. Award. Just because I feel like this is the turning point. Because yeah, he was a little kid when he stuff happened with his mom. And then in his wife, he said it was dark when she attacked me. I didn't really see what was going on. I thought stuff. I was seeing things because it was so dark. Now that he's actually encountered the demon, I think this is uh, this is where he's starting to realize, man, maybe it's not me. Maybe I didn't, you know... I wasn't crazy. I didn't beat my wife. You know, there's something out of my control. And I think that's the turning point for him where he starts buying in and starts the journey. Um, I, I consider, too, the very end, like when he finally gets brave enough to go into his mom's old room. That looks like it hasn't been touched since the day they took her out of there to go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and he gets brave enough and just says, you know, like, you don't scare me anymore. You're just an empty room. You know, I just felt, I felt like, you know, that, that was a big moment for him. I mean, not it's not the words aren't profound. I mean, but like for for him, what he's doing and what that means to him, I mean, for him personally, it was a big deal. Uh, thought about that one too. I just cheated and mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so our, our next award is best creepy person, um, and there are so many options. Uh, I'm gonna go with Mildred. Um, that lady is so creepy, especially when they go back. The second time, it's like mm. they've taken like a clicker and they've ratcheted up the, the creepy factor. And it's like the possession is progressing. Like it's getting its talons like deeper and deeper into her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also kind of gives off an old school witch kind of vibe. Like I can see her going all Hansel and Gretel on, on them and shoving Kyle <laughs> and the River into an oven or something, you know? Yeah, yeah uh, fatten you up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also agree with you. I thought Mildred was the creepy <laughs> person. I thought that was the right one to pick. Yep. That's, we're going three for three. I had Mildred too. <laughs> and then there's the one panel too. And maybe I'm reading into it. But on page 98, uh, it's one of those small squares in between two panels. It's her eye. And you can see there's a tear in her eye. Mm. And I thought for me, that really is like she's possessed, but she I think that's the human part of her still in there that realizes she's possessed. And that was like her crying out for help or something because the demons got control of her face and it's making that crazy, crazy, crazy possessed face. But she's got that single tear coming down. Yeah, I thought that added to the creepiness that she's really. I didn't think it hurt her. I I took that it hurt her because he just Uh, had literally just touched her and she screamed out in pain. it, It. could could be that you know you take it's vague enough that you could take it either way, but for me that's what I was looking into is that she's this old lady stuck in her body, the demons got control over, and that was her one cry for help was a single tear. Yeah, a little a little glimmer of her. Yeah, you know, sneaking out. Yeah, or it could, you know it hurt because he's an outcast and he has magical powers. So, <laughs> dude, you got to tell me what outcast means <laughs> when you get out, to I'll it. Let you know. Yeah. I'll take a All break right. from other stuff and read read ahead so I can let you know. All right. Uh, Sam, uh, you're first on best demonic encounter. All right. So it's page 30 through 33. It's when they first meet that little boy and he's saying all those things to him. And then they end up in a fisticuffs with him. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. It looks like the little kid from Mad Magazine got possessed. It does. <laughs> all contorted and the arms and legs are twisted around. Yeah. Is he floating at one point? I, I, I can't. Yeah, sure. I caught that on the second read through when Kyle was sitting on his chest or something right before he punches him the first time, I think. Or headbutts him, whatever he does. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Did you have that too, Josh? No, actually, I didn't. I okay. had the uh, I had the prison scene with uh, Detective Luke's partner. That was creepy. That's when he's found out that his blood aff- apparently affects the demons and causes them to want to leave the host body there, but it doesn't work on on him. And then you know they're in a prison, so the cops come in because they're <laughs> beating a prisoner up, and just the whole <laughs> the whole encounter was it was entertaining. You know what? I, you know what they what they could have done. Knowing they're going into the prison, like you know, probably don't be beating up the prisoner to get your blood out of your fist, you know, or whatever. Why don't you like, get a syringe, draw some out, put it in a squirt gun, and just right. super soaker the demons? I mean, I mean, they think outside the box. Yeah, I don't think they were putting it that much together yet. Where they, I think, <laughs> I, think he, I think that was kind of when he figured out the blood was what did it. I don't know, but anyways, that that. Uh, <laughs> Detective Luke's partner, the, the scene beforehand when he killed uh, Luke's wife, that was a really creepy yeah. scene. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of tied that in with the. Uh, yeah, when he when he does the, the biting section, that was. <laughs> that was intense. Yep. All right. You ready to cast this thing, guys? Yep. Did you agree with me on that one? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I was taking that motion hard. Uh, okay. There's yeah. other good ones, but I think you picked the right one. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's cast it. Uh, man, <laughs> I'd almost just don't want to participate in this section. I just do very well. <laughs> I think I've got the right answer for Kyle, and the rest of them are kind of like, meh. I tried. I've got answers. I'm not sure how many of them are any good. Yeah. Uh, but Josh, you get to go first on Kyle. Here you go. All right, I've got two picks. I'm going to go with what I think is my stronger pick. But if you guys laugh at me too hard, I had somebody else in mind as well. Uh, but I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking Jake Gyllenhaal, channeling some of his uh, Donnie Darko days, where he's got that pale, sickly, black rings around his eyes look, uh, but a little bit older and able to uh, portray the uh, hurt a little bit better now yeah. that he's a little older and a little more evolved. I think Jake Gyllenhaal. All right. It's not bad. It's not right. Yeah, see, I, yeah, I don't think it's right. Um, I think Kyle is probably not the kid that sat at the popular table in the uh, the high school cafeteria, and Jack Gyllenhaal most definitely was. Have <laughs> <So, laughs> you talked about Donnie Darko? No, but I'm just uh, okay. saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I went with Adam Driver. You sir are right. That's who I went with also. Yeah, because they've got the kind of a similar shaped face. It's a mm-hmm. little not non traditionally handsome. Um, kind of an interesting face, uh, mm-hmm. and nobody, but nobody can mope the way Adam Driver mopes. Exactly. Yeah. He's got the emo kid down. Yeah. All right. I think you guys are right. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We are right. Is that your other yeah. option? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> think of him. My my other option, just you're going to say the same comment you did on Jake John Hall was Nicholas Holt. Yeah, uh, I, I like him. He's he's a really good actor. Uh, well, stick sticking with my cafeteria metaphor, he strikes me as one of the drama kids, though. Yeah, like probably with the looks to the popular table, but like eh, he's kind of a weirdo. I could see him. Mm. At, not that all drama kids yeah. are weirdos, but I, I like him uh, better. Keep than talking. Him. No, dig <laughs> <laughs> yourself into the hole there. <laughs> uh, look, I didn't sit at a popular table. I, don't know, I mean. <laughs> We didn't have a drama class at our high school, but I might have been sitting with those people if, if we'd had one. 
Yeah, I'm digging my hole. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on. Yep, yep, um, yep. <laughs> I'll just let you go. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't gonna stop I'm, you now. My my metaphor broke down. Um, I'm not editing yeah. it out though. Too much yeah. work. <laughs> uh, Brentford Anderson. Um, I could not get content with anybody for this role. Um, so he needs to be probably what you think fifties, age wise in that age range. range. Yeah. Um, he needs to be really earnest. Um, troubled but earnest. Like he's really sincere. And so I leaned into that, and I went with Sean Aston. Um, he doesn't that. look like him at all, yeah. but I, have you seen I, Stranger Things? He's getting there. He's got a baby face, man. It took him yeah. a long time to get some age yeah. on him, but uh, he was in. I mean, he was a teenager in Goonies, bro. It was a long I time know. ago. <laughs> I know. I, I know. But, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but Sean Aston's got that earnestness about him. Mm. Um, it could, you know, Sam Games like, give Sam Games you like a drinking habit, and you you're in the ballpark <laughs> of Raven Anderson. Need the punt. <laughs> right. That's what I got. All right. Yeah. All right. Sam, tell us tell us a better answer. I have a better answer. It, I think it might be the right answer. His name is Bruce Davison. He was Senator Kelly in the original X Men. Mm-hmm. Looks like the dude out. turned into the water the water creature. Guy. Yeah. 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 That's He's, not bad. I, I, that's pretty good. I think. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay, Josh didn't talk to him. He's definitely the leader of the clubhouse so far. All right, well, I've got three answers. I should have just gave you all my two backups. Uh, <laughs> but, just go uh, with one this time. Just go with one. Any, 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 All right, uh, I'm going to go John Goodman. Give us a different one. Yeah. Backup? You don't like John Goodman? Oh, I thought, no, I love, no, I love John Goodman. I don't like him. Not for that guy. Uh, okay, well, then my is Gary Oldman. The chameleon himself. Yeah, that that work. That works better. Yeah, yeah you can't go wrong with Gary Oldman. I yeah, had it's... a backup time machine pick. Of course you did. We got uh, Ian Holm. Uh, he played Bilbo in the in the Fellowship of the Ring. I know. I'm thinking. Yeah. It's not bad. I, it's not bad. He kind of he looks more the part, but it would have to be a really hard time machine one. All right, you guys suck. I'll take the win. Right. Yeah, two for two. I'm going to spit it in real quick. My third option was Paul Giamatti. I, like I think, I think we got a different vibe from him. Yeah, Paul, Paul you know, Paulie G is great. I pick him all the time for stuff. But, like, <laughs> I just don't see him as this guy. Oh, okay. Man. All right. Well, let's move on. I've, I gave three answers on that one. That's yeah, you did. Way too many. Right. <laughs> What's the one? <laughs> Uh, I don't think Josh hit the dartboard once. I think he's got three darts sticking <laughs> on the wall around him. Gary uh, Oldman was. <laughs> you're looking, I was that's okay. Was, uh, he was. That he one's was, okay. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're probably in a ring on that one. Um, all right, Sam, who you got for Megan? All right, so this is this is one I struggle with really bad, but I end up with. I'm like Josh. I've got like two answers on this one. I'm going to go with Carla. Gugino. I don't hate her names. G U G Gugino. Yeah. Yeah, she's my backup. That I liked her. I think I think she would do the part really well. Kind of the yeah. bossy older sister vibe from her. Probably a time machine now, but yeah, she's she's uh, she's she's older, yeah, but she's she still looks young enough to play that part. I think. Okay. We can time machine if you want to. Uh, I, I seen her in the San Andreas San Andreas movie not too long ago. I, I had her as my pick until about two hours ago, and I remembered somebody. So. All right, Josh, who'd you have? 
All right. Well, I thought this was one of my worst picks, but you guys, I told you before the show that I may have been delusional <laughs> with my fantastic cast picks I had this time. But uh, I think you were. Uh, yeah, apparently. But I was thinking Emily Blunt for this one. That's not bad. I love Emily Blunt. I mean, she's awesome. Uh, she's a great actress. Uh, I was getting a different vibe from Megan. I, I think maybe we read different stories. We got a different impression when we read this thing. Uh, maybe. But she's uh, a kind it's of not girl. bad, though. Yeah, she, she can play it. Yeah, she's a good actress. She can pull it off. Uh, all right, guys. Marta Malons. I'm probably saying that wrong. She was the mom in Shazam. Still haven't watched that one. Still haven't watched that one. I I think they drew her. <laughs> and she was the foster mom to about like 47 kids, it felt like, in that Shazam movie. And she pulled off, you know, caring mom super well. And I think they drew her. It's yeah. M-A-R-T-A-M-I-L-A-N-S. I'm yeah. Shazam I'll Oh, yeah. Looks just like her. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. Car- Carla Gugino was really good, but I, I think, I mean, it just, and we were at the time machine her. She could just walk onto the set. I'm going to let you have three that one. on the cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. Captain Smokeface was uh, had his confidence misplaced. Uh, all right, uh, <laughs> all right, Mark, uh, Josh, can you redeem yourself? Who you go for, Mark? Probably not. We're going to take another swing and see if we can get a hit this time. John Hamm. That's not bad though. Man, I just keep bad. getting these blank stares when I say. <laughs> I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to picture him with the mustache and stuff. Yeah, the, the mustache is my problem. I'm like, I can't I, on him with the. You stash. can shave a mustache; it's fine. He didn't have to have the mustache. He's no, he's got the classic cop stash. I he mean, does. I think that's important to the character. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. my my backup pick on that was uh, I hate to say this from Twilight. A uh, guy played Charlie, the uh, what's her name's dad. He looks just like him. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I was shit. coerced into watching Twilight once, and I've yeah. repressed those memories. So yeah, well, if you get a chance, look up the cast and look at Charlie, the guy that played her dad. He was okay. dead up. Yeah. Anyways, somebody give me the right answer then. Okay, I'll I'll not do that later. Um. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I I couldn't find a guy who looked good with the cop stash either. I wanted to just cast somebody from Super Troopers, but I, I didn't do that because uh, it was just it yeah. would have been the wrong Matt. tone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, but I went with more for the role. Um, so I was Joseph Gordon led it. I could just see him being this guy. I mean, he doesn't look like him. I can't see him with a stash either. No, okay. uh, but, <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, but I, I the, the, the scene with with Donnie and the way they react and him thinking he's doing something great and having that response that protect. I could see him, you know, doing that scene. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not the right guy. So Sam, tell us who the right answer is. Well, the right answer, I think, who they drew was Tom Selleck from Quigley Down Under. I mean, it's Tom Selleck's stash and all. That's Magnum P.I. He already played the Magnum P.I. That's that's who that is. That's that's my pick. That's Time Machine from anywhere you want. But if I had Gotta to get that. I wanted to play now, I would I would pick uh, Henry Cavell. Picture him with the new Mission Impossible. He had the stash. He rocked it good. And so he yeah. had to delete it for Superman. But Tom Selleck's the right answer if we could just Time Machine it. Get that 80s hair under control. Yeah. Slick it back. 
Lynn Mark do- Howell's earlier jail helmet. <laughs> We'd have to have him in a Hawaiian shirt at some point, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I had the Tom Selleck. Like, as soon as I started reading, I was like, that's Tom Selleck. I don't even have to worry about trying to cast him. It's, it's the stash, man. It's a quality stash. It is. Yeah. All right. Uh, Detective Luke Masters is next, and uh, I picked Aaron Eckhart. You know, it, it fits. It looks like him, yeah. Blonde guy looks good in the suit. Uh, he does outrage really well. Uh, mm-hmm. I could totally see him punching a dude. Two facing it. The way he did this guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's I'll not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, might be better than what I got. I went with Jude Law for some reason. I couldn't think of nobody. I, I kept having Owen Wilson popping in my head for some reason. I was like, no. I could see Jude Law playing the possessed guy. Yeah, do not play this guy. I, I just couldn't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. So that was one of my flops. Oh, so okay. you're winning so far, Jamie. All right. So Maybe I can redeem myself. I'm going to have a good one at some point. I'm going uh, Michael Fassbender. Ooh, that is a good one too. That's really good. I thought about Fassbender for Mark, but he I, I, can, I can even pick some even less with a stash. Than <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, no, I was thinking of him as the detective. You know, Fassbender can do anything. Yeah, yeah. he's really good. He's like, he's like Gary Oldman's understudy. I, I mean, you just cast Fassbender for anything, I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, he'll do yeah. it. All right, I'll, I'll concede that one. All right, we won't give him one. I just feel sorry for the guy. He Appreciate thought he was going to get five out of the six. I'll take a, I'll take a pity win. That's fine. <laughs> All right, our last one is a the nameless character that we referred to as creepy dude. Um, creepy dude. I think there's an absolute right answer here. And I suspect, I, this is my guess, at least two out of the three of us picked what, the same guy. So, right, Sam, let's, let, let's see if I'm right. What do you I think? guarantee I didn't pick it because I really struggled with this one. And I, 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 I kind of Googled old actors and Clint Eastwood <laughs> is who I went with. He kind of looks like the dude. He, he, yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't see that one. I don't either. He brings a really good intensity, but I don't know if he brings creepy. Like Clint Eastwood will bring the. I mean, he he he's. I think he I think he'd be a good choice to direct it though. Yeah. I I think I think he'd be good with the tone for this thing. Then I did have a backup too. All right, we'll we'll save it and see if one of us gets it. Okay. All right, Josh, who'd you have? I went with Ian McKellen. Bing, bing, bing. (laughs) That's who I've got to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you take the Magneto from X-Men and then dial him up just a little bit more into the, not just menacing, but, you know, creepy. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yep. Magneto. There's even a couple of panels where he looks it looks like he had, like, Ian McKellen's face stuck to his drawing board. Mm. When he's tipping his hat and stuff, I think I, when he saved the little girl. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Like, that's, that's him. Yeah. yeah, I see it. And there's a couple of, like, smug grins he does in, like, those X-Men movies for, like, yeah, I'm like you could totally be this dude. Yeah. yeah. Right, who was your backup scene? I ain't telling you, y'all. Y'all. Right. <laughs> I ain't gonna be like Josh just keep swinging at it and missing. Uh, I had a backup. I had a backup behind Ian McKellen too, so I'm gonna. No, no, no. We're, we're gonna take a win. Y'all, so I ain't gonna try. <laughs> oh, now if you all were gonna give me uh, garbage about him being too old, um, I was gonna stick with Magneto and go with for, for Fastbender for the creepy dude. <laughs> Yeah, that was my fear with Ian McKellen was that he's 
it's a creepy dude. We don't know anything about him. He's just this creepy dude that's walking around. I mean, we have no reference. Well, he's, yeah, he's an older dude, so I mean, Ian McKellen's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah older. That's, that's so. perfect. But that's I, I feel like there's a couple of panels though where he looked like much younger and a couple of where he looks much older. And I was like, hmm. Mm. It's that awesome Mario y'all keep talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's leave Outcast alone. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to preview the next week for just a second. It's one of mine. Um, and I picked Daredevil, Back in Black, Volume 3, Dark Art. Um, and the main reason I picked this, um, number one, I think I'm one of the few people uh, who actually loves the Charles Soule run on Daredevil. Uh, it seems to be pretty maligned. Um, but one of the things that Soule brought to the Daredevil story was a new villain. Um, and th- mm. this is the part of the story where the new villain shows up. And I think it's it's the best part of the run. And I love this guy, and I just I want to I want to get your all's reaction to this guy. I mean, it's really the main reason I think I just want. And I'm, there's a few other things I'm curious about how y'all going to react to, but like this this new character, I just want to get your all's feelings on it. I mean, that's the main reason I picked. Him. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I like Daredevil, so. Yeah. Better than that other Daredevil movie. <laughs> <laughs> Does he throw an infant off the roof of a building? <laughs> <laughs> in, in the one we're getting ready to do. No. Okay. That so, was a blind pick, guys. Okay. But but there is one one panel where his foot looks ginormous. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot his feet were huge in that. They were yeah. they weren't in the panels or they were bozo feet. Yeah. Yeah. There there is one panel. I was like, oh man, somebody's gonna mention this. <laughs> there's, I'm gonna look for there's it. There's no way sure. that foot belongs on that human. <laughs> all right guys uh well i think we're done here um before we sign off i just want to mention that um we've got a lot of um you know we're relatives we've got a bunch of related podcasts i just want to bring some of those up before we close out um uh we've all uh, either uh, permanently hosted or guest co-hosted on nerds of the round table now um it's a movie review podcast Uh, i'd love for you to follow us over there um one of the nerds from Nerds Around the Table hosts a comic book podcast called One Thin Dime, where he goes back and goes to like through mostly like golden age type stories, where like but the cover that's the that's the kicker. The cover price had to be that one thin dime, and then um, me and my wife are co-hosting the Black Hammer podcast. I promised to make for forever. We're finally doing it, and so that one's called Zafram, and it's a super weird name, but. It makes sense if you pay attention to Black Hammer. So yeah, it <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, guys, um, my plugs are done. Um, <laughs> Glad you got me. Guess who's guess who's still leading in the clubhouse? Belgium. Mm, Belgium. We are big in Belgium, guys. Right. Salute. Goodbye, Belgium. Good night, Belgium. See ya. Later. <laughs>